If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. There have been five mass extinction events, the most recent being about 66 million years ago. So that we understand what's to come, let's discuss these events as best we can with what little knowledge we actually possess. The precursors to these extinction events was the birth of something called an extinction entity, or an EE. It was a living thing, but what made an EE isn't really clear. One was a mammoth, another was a human male, another a dinosaur, even a few marine creatures. But here's where we immediately get a little bit weird. These extinction entities were discovered at one point, though whoever was studying them didn't really understand what they were looking at. None of the bodies showed decomposition after death, and they all had what looked like umbilical cords attached. Now, why would a trilobite need an umbilical cord? Imagine seeing a squid or a crab with a big old umbilical cord attached to it. It would be strange, right? Well, EEs don't have umbilical cords because of childbirth. For them, their umbilical cord would become known as a strand, a mimicry or imitation of an umbilical cord that bound them to the place between life and death. And what would you call that place? The place where a soul goes after leaving the body, leaves life behind, but before it enters its eternal unknown. Maybe purgatory? The in-between? Limbo? Well, how about we call that place a beach? The beach was generally a very personal place, with everyone's being unique to them, shaped by any number of things that made a person themselves. But for simplicity's sake, we're all just going to imagine the beach to be a literal beach, and we will call it the beach. Take my hand, we're gonna get through this together. And a good way to frame the uniqueness of the beach is that everyone is imagining a beach now, but everyone is imagining their own beach, a special beach. When someone dies, they walk their beach alone, typically. They leave behind the sands, they enter the unknown waters of the afterlife. What's within those depths? The truth of what's beyond the beach is unknown. No one's ever gone there and come back. It would be one of those things that we're really never meant to know. But there are extreme circumstances where more than one person might walk the same beach. Specifically, during times where many deaths occur at once. Think a battle or a natural disaster. Those souls might appear on the same beach at the same time to walk together into the unknown because the thoughts and emotions felt during their death united them in their final moment enough to take them to the same place. But for the most part, walking the beach was a solitary experience. Normal living beings don't really have a connection to the beach while they're alive. We're not half in, half out. Our bodies and souls are here together as they're meant to be. But extinction entities, EEs, they have a connection to the beach via their umbilical cord, their strand. Organisms with strands are extinction entities. Now, before you start checking people around you for weird umbilical cords, there have only been five extinction entities up to this point, five beings with strands. But the very existence of an EE is meant to cause a mass extinction event, regardless of how the EE might feel about the nature of their existence. That doesn't matter. The great mass extinction event that they bring about is also called the Death Stranding. The Death Stranding is difficult to put to words, but it's caused by the world of the living and the world of the dead essentially coming into contact with one another. Through the extinction entity, the EE, through their strong connection to the beach, souls find their way back into the world of the living, and that is bad news. These souls are called beached things, like a whale that got trapped on a beach, and they're made of energy completely opposite to that of the living. They're like antimatter. And when that beached thing comes in contact with something living, when they consume it, it causes one hell of an explosion. 
So, through an extinction entity's connection to the other side, through their connection to the beach, beached things come back to Earth, they make contact with something living, and it causes a big boom. During the Death Stranding, it's actually probably several big booms all over the Earth, kind of like a chain reaction. And these big booms will be known as void outs. If we saw a void out today, we might equate it to a bomb going off, a nuke going off. It could level anything within its blast radius. Void outs are massive. Without an extinction entity, there is no way for a soul to come back. There's no bridge between the world of the living and the beaches. That's why there have only been five in the whole history of the world. Only five times have beach things found themselves back to where they don't belong. Only five times has the Death Stranding occurred. Since the last one was about 66 million years ago, these events are explained away by perhaps meteors hitting the Earth, great natural disasters, changes in the atmosphere. The Death Stranding does cause circumstances that would look like that after the fact. Massive craters, shifts in land masses, mass death, and atmospheric changes. When a void out occurs, things from the beach can start appearing like more beached things. There's a lot of things dying, crossing through to the beach, and if they come back as a beach thing and make contact with a living being, it would cause another void out. You, you see how it's like an avalanche of bad. It's a process that is nigh impossible to stop once it begins. Even if things survive the initial void out explosions, the BTs don't just go away. So long as there's an extinction entity in EE, there's a bridge between the living and the dead. But the void outs also brought something else with it, Kyrelium. Kyrelium is like a really fancy mineral that shouldn't really exist on Earth. It's from the beach. And exposure to Kyrelium can be detrimental to a person's health. It can cause all sorts of mental deterioration, imbalances that can make a person aggressive, depressed, or cause intense nightmares. Uses for Corellium will eventually be found, but for now, a spike in Corellium in the atmosphere was proof of an extinction event taking place. When there's a high concentration of it in the atmosphere, it causes timefall. Water infused with Corellium would rapidly age anything that it touched. Entire biomes would change quickly. It would kill any living thing inside of it. It's a terrifying prospect. Imagine being caught in timefall with no protection against it. What it would do to your skin in a matter of moments. With a void out being so destructive and a death stranding being so apocalyptic, it's hard to know how life continued after a death stranding. Something had to give, essentially. Something had to stop it, had to stop the extinction entity, sever the bridge that the EE had created between the living and the dead. Hard to say what that was millions of years ago. It would be theorized that the extinction entity itself chose to stop it eventually, chose to let some life remain. Perhaps it was intended all along and the nature of the extinctions weren't all encompassing. The events played out in their entirety and so it left the world intact so that life could evolve, carry on, find a new way. And all that, that's the hardest part. If you got all of that, if it makes sense, then you are ready for the next mass extinction event. Fast forward to modern times. We meet a woman named Bridget Strand, and let's not be coy about this. She would become the next extinction entity. But there is a lot to unpack here about her life. Not a lot is known about her childhood, but she was prone to terrible, vivid dreams of an apocalypse. Doomsday that had happened before and would happen again. But she grew into a strong, powerful, beautiful woman. And when she was still a young gal, just in her 20s, Bridget developed uterine cancer. She underwent major surgery, but during the surgery, something happened. Her body and soul split. Maybe it was the trauma of the experience, or a flat line on the operating table, or maybe it was just fate. 
but when it was done, Bridget woke up missing a part of herself, her soul. She was two pieces of herself, existing in two places, her body in the living world, Bridget, and her soul on the beach, who she eventually came to call Amelie. And this was her connection, her bridge to the beach. But Bridget, Amelie, they kept having those nightmares, more vivid as time went on, of a coming doomsday, an annihilation. She feared that it was a premonition and she wanted to stop it, but perhaps in taking action against it, she would just make it occur instead. Bridget eventually understood the nature of the beach through her connection with her soul, Amelie. Though they were the same person, they existed independently of one another, and with time, they realized something wondrous about the beach. And this is important. Though generally everyone's was different, and everyone did have a beach, she began to theorize that maybe she could create a bridge between the beaches, make them all interconnected like a web. And what if they could send information through that web, through a network, through the beaches, Essentially, since there was no time on the beach, it would be instant information access and sharing. And if such a thing existed, it would unite humanity on a deep level. She would come to refer to this theorized network as the chiral network. Not long after this theory crafting began, Bridget Strand became the Vice President of the United States of America. And this was probably sometime between 2012 and 2020. It would still be a very familiar world to us. Through the years to come, there would be rumors of a ghost in the White House. People seeing Bridget Strand, but a very young version of her. When they got close, though, she would just vanish. For those that did see her, a story was crafted that it was Bridget Strand's daughter, Samantha America Strand, or just Amelie for short. According to the story, Amelie had suffered locked-in syndrome almost all her life, but she had recently made a miraculous recovery. But that wasn't knowledge for these people to share, so they had to keep it quiet. Bridget Strand authorized a special research on how to complete her chiral network, that linking of the beaches that she and Amelie theorized was possible. The organization, group, institution, whatever you want to call it, was named Bridges, and that's an important name to remember. A particular area of interest to the scientists with Bridges were Bridge Babies, or BBs. The BBs were halted preemies, grown and surgically cut out of brain-dead mothers. Bridge babies were never allowed to be born, so they technically weren't alive. They were very carefully cut out of the brain-dead mothers and put into a pod to be used as equipment. Because these babies had one foot in the world of the living and another in the world of the dead, it was theorized that somehow they could build up the foundation of the chiral network. In a sense, they were human sacrifices. But at this point, all of that it was just a working theory. Before study of a potential foundation for the chiral network got too far along, a void-out occurred in Manhattan. The president himself was overseeing an operation at a Bridges facility. A pregnant woman had gone brain dead and her baby was being removed via C-section. The surgeon made contact with the umbilical cord and then uttered his famous last words, who the hell? A BT, a beached thing, it was in the room. It made contact with something living in that room and boom, void out. But it was just a single event, a precursor to the death stranding, a warning of what was to come. But still, it was a mass death event, and no one could make any sense of it. After all, who could imagine such a thing happening? If the president got on TV and said a dead person's soul, also known as a beach thing, literally ate a doctor alive and set off a massive bomb in the heart of Manhattan, that would be a very special day in America, wouldn't it? Very slowly, though, understanding began to creep in amongst government bodies. Bridget Strand began sharing her knowledge of the beaches because they needed to know more about what was happening. 
Now, President Bridget Strand's scientists refined their research to be more focused around recreating what happened in that operating room, minus the BT, of course. While the public might have been aware to some extent of the BBs, President Strand publicly stated that all BB experiments were being discontinued and all data related to them was destroyed. But in actuality, the BB experiments continued on in extreme secrecy. The truth of what they were being studied for was a closely guarded secret. Whenever she went into Bridges, Bridget wore a mask. It made her less human, less identifiable, something that the BBs couldn't connect to. Bridget wanted to bring beached things out of hiding so everyone could see them. After reviewing what had happened in the Manhattan Void Out, she believed that BBs could do that, point them out, make people aware of them, make them visible to the naked eye. One day, they could make the general public aware that beached things existed, that souls were real, that there was something after death. Making the masses aware that those things could come back and cause some big boom damage, though, was a huge risk. But she believed that in conjunction with her chiral network, that knowledge would further unite humanity, not tear it apart. That void out. It was proof that her dreams weren't just dreams, and they were running out of time. Now enter Clifford Unger. Cliff was a career military man, and he was tough as hell. The men that served beside and under him absolutely respected him. He was a hero amongst the special forces. War was his life, and it was a hard life to live. But he always brought his men back alive. A bit later in life, Cliff met a woman named Lisa, and he fell in love. When Lisa became pregnant, Cliff decided to leave active duty to see what life could be if he counted on having a future. But something happened to Lisa. An accident. An injury. It left Lisa brain dead. Cliff was so desperate for hope to save her and the baby, he brought her to Bridges, where she was put on life support. The child was removed from Lisa's body and placed into a pod, a new BB for study. It took Cliff a while to accept that his beloved Lisa wasn't coming back. He never stopped talking to her, though, celebrating whatever he could, being sweet to her and their baby boy. But God, Cliff's heart broke. He found peace in his son. He would sing to Bibi, talk to him, bring him little toys, tell him all about his mother. What strange happenings that a man like Cliff Unger would end up in a place like this. But there was something quite wonderful about this little guy. And President Bridget Strand herself became invested in his development. It was theorized that he was a compatible building block for the chiral network. This Bibi could be the foundation, a bridge. The sacrifice of this one baby would bring up the chiral network and humanity could be united, all those beaches connected, all that information shared. But Clifford Unger had a friend in the facility, a man named John Blake McLean. John had served under Clifford and he respected the hell out of the man. Cliff had saved his life over and over again. Remember, he always brought his men back alive. And John had seemed unkillable during their missions, so unkillable that it got him the nickname Die Hardman. John was a higher up within Bridges. He knew what was going to happen to this BB, and he was horrified that it was his old captain that was the father of this special BB. The two of them embraced his old friends, but John knew that this BB's fate was going to be a further tragedy for Cliff. The president herself would meet with Cliff to talk about his son's progress. He was under the impression that when his son was ready, he would be born, removed from the pod, and released into his care. But Bridget kept telling him that they couldn't do that, which was frustrating to say the least. At nearly the midnight hour, John went to Cliff. 
He had the highest possible security access, and he was able to get them about five minutes of privacy. John told him that he needed to get Bibi out of this place, and that his wife couldn't be saved. And while his job compels him to obey the president's orders no matter what, he wishes to honor this man who had led him through war and hell. John tells him of what is planned for Bibi. They're going to take him to another facility, and Cliff will never see him again. That his son will be sacrificed to act as the foundation for a new network, the Chiral Network. John gives him a handwritten note with information that will help him get out of the building. Cliff must decide for himself what to do next. That very night, Clifford Unger was ready, and so is John Blake McLean. He gives Cliff a gun and tells him that he rigged Lisa's life support system to spoof her vitals. He only has about five minutes. He's on his own now. Cliff goes about the process of wrapping towel around the barrel, collecting a pillow, and going to Lisa. He pauses briefly to promise her that he will take care of Bibi, that he's sorry, and that he loves her. He gives her a final kiss, a final look, and then shoots her twice in the head. She's truly finally free, and he is going to get their son out of this place. Cliff runs with Bibi through the bridge's facility, managing to just stay out of the sight of patrols. He gets all the way to the elevators, but he can't get the doors to open. He tries different sets, but they're all locked and he doesn't have a way to get through restricted access areas. And barely even 40 seconds later, the alarms start going off. Lisa has been found and a very valuable BB is missing. He doesn't have anywhere to hide now. There's no way to wait this out. There are no other exits and he's out in the open. Armed guards confront him as soon as he's spotted, but Cliff knows that the valuable target here is BB. He keeps them back by holding a gun up to his son, but when he turns to run, they take shots at him and they hit him in the shoulder before John Blake McLean arrives and orders them to stop. He tells them that he'll handle it, but it's very odd to them. John is a superior, but their target is a clearly dangerous man, so why stand down? John can see blood before he sees Cliff. His old captain is very injured, and as soon as their eyes meet, the guilt just sinks into him. John can't fix this. It's like he lured Cliff into an unwinnable scenario, though he had pure intentions. After all the times Cliff led him and his team through hell, this was the way that John repaid him. A doomed endeavor from the start. This cannot be fixed, and military backup is on site very quickly. Cliff takes John hostage. This is a messy situation. A larger shield to keep in front of him. The only path that Cliff can take is behind him, and it's a dead end leading back to where he came from. He leaves John behind and thanks him for at least trying, and then he makes a run back to the medical room. John does his best to keep the military out of the situation, but it's already so far beyond his control. The best he can do now is buy a little time to approach Cliff peacefully. That poor man. He shoots the security panel to stop security for a short time, but that's only going to hold them for a little while. He goes back to Lisa and tells her that he's sorry he screwed it up. John is outside desperately trying to save his old captain, but President Bridget Strand intervenes with military guard and they start beating the door down. Clifford Unger sings to his son one last time, fully aware that this is the end for both of them. He is not going to make it out of this room and his BB will be sacrificed by Bridges. He points his gun at the door and he waits. As soon as the military guard is through the door, there's brief gunfire. Cliff did not fire on them, but they fired on him. And for a while, it's quiet. The military forces just kind of stand there, looking at what they've done. And Cliff talks to Bibi. He tells them that when he found out he was going to be a father, he was so scared. 
He knew that it meant that he had to change, that he couldn't be selfish, he couldn't just go off and get himself killed in some battle on the other side of the world. He had to be there for Bibi and for his mom. He couldn't leave him alone. But now he's discovered that being a father didn't make him scared, it made him brave. John puts himself between Cliff and the military guard, and Bibi is taken away, given to President Strand, at least that's how it appears. When she activates Bibi's pod, it's empty. Somehow, while everyone was watching him, and without making a mess, Cliff got Bibi out of the pod. He's holding his son, and it's John's job to retrieve that Bibi from him. He desperately does not want to fire on the man who saved his life so many times before, though, who led him through hell and back. So Bridget does it with his gun, holding his hand, forcing him to shoot twice. One of the bullets struck both Cliff and Bibi. Realizing what she's done, Bridget screams and cries. That Bibi was her hope for the chiral network, which was the salvation of mankind, a way to stop an annihilation that she knew was coming, and she shot it in the belly. But that little guy washed up on a beach where Amelie was looking for him. She knew what happened. After all, she was still Bridget, part of the same being. She called the baby Sam and picked him up, healing the wound on his stomach. Amelie brought little Sam back to life, creating a new kind of human, a repatriate. And it's harder to find exactly what that means, but simply put for now, he's immune to the void out. If he comes into contact with a BT or if he's caught in a void out, it won't destroy his body. Sam will be able to walk the beaches and should he be killed, he can choose to leave the beach and return to life. But if he is killed on the beach, then there's no coming back from that. It's the only way that he can truly be forced to die. Amelie sees Cliff in the waters. It's a tense stare down. But when BB is okay and soothed, he turns to walk away into the unknowns of the water and Amelie knows that a revived baby cannot stay on the beach. The soul has to be reunited with the body, so she puts little Sam into the waters to float back to the world of the living. But in doing this, whether she realizes it or not, Amelie has created a bridge between the world of the living and the dead. When baby Sam wakes up, he's back in a pod, looking at an unmasked Bridget Strand and John Blake McLean. They both realize that this baby is an anomaly now, something never seen in the world of the living before. A deathless repatriate. He can no longer serve as a BB, and perhaps out of regret for what has happened, Bridget decides that he won't be decommissioned or disposed of. She will raise this baby as her own son. She keeps the name Sam. And on that day, Sam Strand was officially born. Then the death stranding itself began. The return of this child to life was like opening a floodgate, and BTs began to appear on Earth. All at once, all around the world, voidouts took place. Global comms and infrastructure all but vanished. There were massive explosions that didn't stop until there was nothing left to touch. Those that did survive did because they weren't caught in the immediate chain reaction, or they were able to hide, or maybe they just got damned lucky. But this was just the beginning of the Death Stranding. Previous extinction events were stoppable somehow, played out or burned out, their objectives complete, but not this time. The beached things stayed. It didn't take long for those still alive to realize that the craters left by the voidouts weren't nukes. There was something wrong with them. Strange mineral, chirelium, was left behind. There was no rubble, no dust in the air, no radiation. Scientists with bridges who had been studying BBs and the beach realized that this was an annihilation event. President Bridget Strand's worst nightmare had just become a reality. 
And as Chirelium entered the atmosphere, timefall began to rain down. It destroyed communication infrastructure and rapidly aged anything caught in it. Communications around the world fell apart. Isolation fell upon humanity. In America, separatist movements began to rise up. Territory seizing began. Groups that blamed the government and wanted independence. The United States of America ceased to exist. Everyone was on their own. And then, not long after, a new terror began. Dead bodies were a problem. Specifically, the souls attached to those dead bodies. They couldn't or just didn't pass onto the beach onto the afterlife. They stayed in the living world. After about two days, dead bodies would begin to necrotize. A BT would be loosed. And as soon as it made contact with a living person, boom, another void out. Suddenly, burning dead bodies became a big priority before they could necrotize. Bridget Strand continued to serve as president, even if it was in name only. A suicide story was fabricated for John Blake McLean. He left his name behind, permanently donned a mask, and took the name Die Hardman for himself. He continued to serve in Bridges, eventually becoming its director. And Bridges continued to study bridge babies, the beach, Chirelium, beach things, and how to stop this ongoing extinction. It's hard to know when Amelie understood that she was an extinction entity, if Bridget ever knew that she was an extinction entity. Maybe she always knew, or if maybe it just slowly occurred. Doesn't really matter when she knew, because she acted in what she believed to be the best interest of her species, of humanity. She wanted to complete the chiral network, to connect the world, to link the United Cities of America, tie everyone's beaches back to hers. And it was a mission that she would never give up on. Sam grew up in a distant environment. His mother was always busy, the world was a scary place, and he became an intensely isolated kid. After the Death Stranding began, there were some who presented with something called dooms. And it's hard to say that having dooms was a gift. It was Amelie herself who inflicted it on humans. The abilities that it gave varied from person to person. But for the most part, those who had it could connect to their beach, sometimes even to other people's beaches. Whenever they were near a BT, concentrated chirelium, or even if they were subjected to chiral energy, it would cause an allergic reaction, tears. And they had terrible nightmares of death and an apocalypse, just like Amelie and Bridget did. Sam was the first one to present with dooms, but more would follow with varying degrees of infliction. Sam's loneliness was lessened, however, whenever he went to the beach, because his big sister Amelie was there. She would talk to him, help him through his troubles, be a companion. He became a little bit dependent on Amelie as he grew up. His status as the son of the president, a repatriate, and a doom sufferer made him an outcast. He developed, ooh, a fear of being touched, of being close to people. Bridget knew that she was failing her son and that she was a big part of why he struggled with the world around him. When he was a young man, barely even 20 years old, Bridget got Sam into therapy, which was about 15 years late at that point, but better late than never, right? His therapist was a young gal named Lucy, and she was only a few years older than him. She had been born before the Death Stranding, in a different world where life and death wasn't so muddled. And at first, the two struggled with one another. Sam took a while to open up, and when he did, he was talking about beaches and dying and his sister, but to Lucy, it all sounded like a fantasy. She tried to convince Sam that he was talking about impossible things, but that only ever angered him. One day, he brought a syringe loaded up with something to kill him into their session, and Sam killed himself in front of her. It absolutely freaked Lucy out, but then Sam came back to life and she saw a handprint appear on his arm. 
Every time he died and came back, a new one appeared. Lucy and Sam sat holding hands for a while. He was actually making physical contact with her. He was beginning to overcome his phobia and, well, long story short, the two fell in love, quickly got hitched, and Lucy got super pregnant. His mother, Bridget Strand, was actually thrilled at this. Sam seemed happy and he was just better with Lucy around. But no one could have known that dooms could be genetic. The baby was going to be named Louise, Sam liked to call her Lou, and the baby inherited his dooms. And through Lou, his wife Lucy began to experience apocalyptic nightmares. She began seeing the beach. Sam's repatriation had opened her eyes to the possibilities of something beyond life, but this was different. This was terrifying and it felt so real. One day, while Sam was away from the city where they lived, Bridget went to go see Lucy. Somehow, she knew that Lucy was having those dreams, and she tried to assure her daughter-in-law that it was okay, that it was going to be okay, that Sam was going to make the world whole again, just like Lucy had made him whole. The world needed Sam Strand in it, and he needed her. Bridget touched Lucy's hand and took her to the beach. And there, Lucy saw the tragedy of Sam's life. From his time in his pod up to his birth, then the annihilation that followed with the death stranding. They were terrible things that broke her mind. Lucy was left alone after that. There was no one to tend to her and Sam was away. The truth of what caused the death stranding and the nightmares of annihilation haunted her and completely fractured her psyche. Desperate to just make it stop, Lucy took her own life and no one found her body. Do you remember what happens after about two days? The soul can't pass onto the beach. It becomes a beached thing, a BT. And as soon as it makes contact with a living being, boom. Well, Sam became worried about his wife when she stopped responding to his messages, so he went back home. And as soon as he entered the room, Lucy's BT made contact with him. Void out. Sam's wife and child were gone. His home was gone, the city destroyed, but he came back. Reports of what happened were leaked, and it brought more public distrust against Bridges and the president and Sam himself. He was named in news reports, and some even outright blamed him for his wife's suicide. Bridges' admin tried to protect Sam from accusations, but eventually he just left. He vanished. He quit Bridges, abandoned his old life, and started working as a porter, someone who braves the roads and the wilds of the world to make deliveries and ship cargo. You see, since timefall was an ongoing issue, it wasn't safe to fly or use boats. There was no quick or mass transport anymore. Things had to be delivered mostly on foot, so porters were invaluable assets. Sam became one hell of a porter. For the next decade, he would wander the wilds of America alone, becoming something of a legend. Over the next decade, there are a number of important events that take place. We can start with twin girls named Lochna and Malingan. They were born shortly after the Death Stranding began, so they were about the same age as Sam. The girls were like one soul in two bodies, yet they were still individuals. They were born with dooms. That, along with their deep bond, gave the girls the ability to communicate through the beaches instantly, no matter where they were in the world. Like, they could talk to each other with their minds. Super cool ability for twins to have. And they were equal in their genius. Malingan excelled at hardware creation, and Lochna excelled at software creation. When they came of age, they decided to join Bridges, and they brought with them something that Bridget Strand was always missing for her chiral network, a foundation. The Bridge Baby experiments had not produced a solution to make that bridge to the beaches. Not since Sam was a BB had they seen so much potential in another one. 
but Malingan and Lochna were creating hardware and software that completely circumvented needing a bridge baby. Bridge babies were still important, they still alerted travelers and porters and field workers of nearby BTs, but they were also still treated like equipment rather than actual humans, decommissioned and disposed of. It was pretty horrific. But at least Lochna and Malingan relieved them of that burden and made the chiral network completely possible. With it, Malingan theorized that they would be able to reclaim everything lost to the Death Stranding and compile every bit of data possible through the beaches going back to the birth of the planet itself. The twins' parents were NASA scientists, so they grew up knowing that the world was so much bigger than the one that they were trapped in. And with the chiral network, they could return to that big open world where the stars were the limit. When they were grown women, Lochna fell in love with a guy, but tragedy came when he was killed in an accident, and it devastated Lochna, and her twin sister felt that deep pain. Happiness and love was a hard thing to come by, and Lochna had it for a while, only to lose it very suddenly. When it came to reproduction, Lochna could produce eggs, but she couldn't carry a child. Malingan couldn't produce eggs, but she could carry a child to term. So, Malingan proposed to her heartbroken sister that they work together to give Lochna a baby. They could take a sample of her deceased partner's frozen sperm, fertilize Lochna's eggs, and Malingan could carry the baby to term. And then part of her beloved would still be with Lochna and she would have something to love. And Lochna agreed happily. Together, they would make a baby for Lochna. And, of course, it worked. With those two, nothing was really that impossible. Malingan carried the baby for her sister, but deep into the pregnancy, Malingan vanished. Her sister couldn't connect with her, couldn't communicate with her, but there was no notification of her death. Lochna thought that her sister had just cut and run with the baby, and she was devastated all over again. First her partner's death, now her own sister stole her baby. Lochna left Bridges. She defected to a safe facility outside of its control, and she tried to rebuild her life there. But Malingan, something terrible had befallen her, and she just didn't have the heart to tell her twin sister. She had to go in for a C-section. The baby was ready to be born. But that day, a terrorist attack took place, and the hospital that she was in was destroyed. She was trapped, alone in the rubble for what felt like days. And she ended up giving birth, pinned in the debris of the attack, unable to move any part of her body to help the baby. It died while it was still attached to her, and it remained as a BT. Malingan's body also died, but her soul remained, trapped within herself because of the baby BT. The umbilical cord between the baby BT and herself, it kept her soul bound, even though her body wasn't technically alive. So long as the baby BT was attached to her, she couldn't really die. She remained as a half-living, half-dead thing, cold to the touch, no vitals to take. She would never be able to reconnect with her sister. And she couldn't physically leave the hospital ruins either. She would never be able to leave the site. She was tethered there. So, a small facility was built for her to use all her own to continue working. She took care of the BT baby, their daughter, lived in isolation, and started going by the name Mama. Now, we meet two more. Fragile and Higgs. Fragile was born after the Death Stranding, and she was born with powerful dooms. Her father established the intrepid Fragile Express after the world was torn apart, as a means to connect people and bring services back into society. She was named after that enterprise, and she grew up believing in her father's vision of reclaiming what was lost after the Death Stranding happened. Her mother was a bit more mysterious. She would eventually go by the name Coffin. 
She was a porter and helped build up the Fragile Express. When Fragile was just a newborn, Coffin had discovered what bridge babies were and how they were being used, that they were being sacrificed to build up some communication network. Fragile was about the same age as Lochna and Malingan, so this was well before they were of age to build up the foundation of the chiral network. The BB experiments were still in full swing. Coffin believed that some things were not worth the price. She began to speak out against the practice. She marked herself as an enemy of Bridges, and out of fear of retaliation from Bridges itself, she decided to go underground. She started going by the name Coffin, started training young porters to do their jobs, and began speaking out against Bridges and their evil ways to them. Of note, under her tutelage was a young man with a troubled past and one hell of a case of dooms. He was about the same age as Fragile, quite young, and his name was Peter Englert. When Peter was little, he was subjected to extreme abuse at the hands of the man who was raising him, his biological uncle. The man kept young Peter isolated, confined within a shelter like an animal in a cage. During an especially brutal beating, the boy killed the man. It was self-defense, and it was how Peter found his freedom. But the boy didn't immediately get rid of the corpse. He was in complete shock and numb about it for a while. He did know that a corpse would eventually necrotize and cause a void out, but it wasn't until the body began to stink that he got up the bravery to take it outside. Before he could get away from it, a BT appeared, but being near the BT, it woke up young Peter's Doom's abilities. It made him feel powerful, but there was a catch. He only felt it when he was near dead things, near BTs. It would fade over time, but then come back after a death occurred and a BT appeared. Starting at a very young age, Peter began working as a porter, was taken in by Coffin, and eventually he began to believe in the fragile express mantra of bringing the world back together. Since Peter's dooms activated near BTs, he was essentially a BT detector, and it made him a huge asset to the Fragile Express. Peter became like a son to Coffin, and she told him all about bridges, the bridge babies, and that she wanted to stop the experiments, and he bought into it completely. When Fragile was 12 years old, Coffin abandoned her daughter and husband. She took a group to a bridges facility where BB experiments were taking place and attacked it. When their success was imminent, Bridges' personnel blew up the facility, which killed almost all of the people that Coffin had brought. And though she and a few others survived, they were exposed to so much Chirelium that illness took them. Before she vanished to finish out her days alone, Coffin told young Peter to continue fighting Bridges, to help save Bridge Babies, and that should he ever meet her daughter Fragile, to help her out and keep her safe. Fragile's father died when she was a young woman, and she took over Fragile Express without missing a single step. When Peter did eventually meet her, he was astonished at her dooms. She could do everything he could, and she could go to the beaches, just vanish from the living world like she was teleporting, and come out someplace completely different. He felt like his dooms were just parlor tricks in comparison. Fragile took him to the beach, taught him how to get there, and he believed that working together, they could really reshape the world and rebuild it. But with time, that young hope, it faded. There were always things that needed done, their deeds were never enough, it was like scooping water out of a punctured boat. They didn't have what it took, they were too small, they were too weak. And then, Peter met someone on the beach. Samantha America Strand, Amelie. She gave him a false BB, and while it did function as a BT sensor, it was something that was more akin to a baby doll in a BB pod. 
It would act as a totem of sorts to link him and her and the beach. Amelie told Peter that if he aided her in reuniting the world, she would give him all the powers that he so badly wanted and he gladly accepted. After meeting Amelie, he had a stronger connection to death, to the other side, and he pieced together that the sixth extinction was underway and that complete annihilation was inevitable. Why prolong the suffering? Why fight against an unstoppable force? His connection to the other side and to Amelie was so strong that he knew that she would agree. He felt that ultimately she would want to see this world ended. He began developing his powers to be her herald, to facilitate the end, to stop all the suffering. But that she wanted to unite people through the chiral network, it confused him. Why bring people together? It seemed like a waste of time. He didn't understand the duality of Amelie. Part of her wanted to save humanity and unite them, yes, but the extinction entity knew that tying everyone's beaches to hers meant that she could truly annihilate everything. Connect everyone to a network? Send BTs through? Imagine the chain reaction of void outs that would occur. The entire planet would be destroyed. But Peter didn't know this. He didn't understand what an extinction entity was, that she was one of them, and he got a bit impatient. He began scheming ways to cause mass death, to tear apart bridges. Amelie didn't tell him everything about her plans, but she gave him enough power to start causing mayhem. Peter started going by the name Higgs, and he wore a mask because, well, he read about it in a book about Egyptian beliefs and practices, and he thought it would be fitting. Under a new name and with his face covered, no one would know who he once was. He was a new man. Higgs became the leader of a true terrorist group called the Homo Demons. They wanted to destroy bridges, destroy whatever remained of a central government within America, and take as many people out in the process as possible. By now, the chiral network was up and running thanks to the immense efforts of Lochna and Malingan, and the still-sitting president, Bridget Strand, authorized an expedition to go to the West Coast. It was a mission that would be led by her supposed daughter, Amelie Strand. They would go from settlement to settlement, city to city, bringing them into the chiral network. At this point, our core group of young folks, Sam, Lochna, and Malingan, Fragile, and Higgs, they were all about in their late 20s. Sam was still MIA from Bridges and his family, working as a respected porter after the death of his wife and child several years prior. Lochna and Malingan were perhaps getting ready to make that baby, Fragile was running the Fragile Express always busy and on the go, and Higgs was plotting. That expedition west, the one headed by Amelie, it would be about a three-year journey just to reach the west coast. But with Amelie leading it, the caravan would be able to dodge BTs and make a relatively safe journey through the wilds. Not long after the expedition began, with Amelie gone and distracted, Higgs started making moves. He used the Fragile Express to collect bomb material and create one hell of a nuke. Higgs asked Fragile herself to deliver a package for him to Middle Knot City, and of course she agreed to help out her friend, not realizing what she was carrying. She easily made it into Middle Knot City, and when the package was delivered, Higgs set off his nuke. It leveled the city. The area became a hive of BTs. The only one who made it out of the city was Fragile herself because she could jump to her beach. It wasn't long until rumors about Fragile Express helping terrorists began to spread. Her reputation and life was ruined. She discovered Higgs's betrayal and a need for revenge began to consume her. The homo demons kept up their attacks on unsuspecting settlements and cities, but Fragile stayed on their heels. 
The terrorist group set their eyes on South Knot City, and they started destroying parts of it. It was during these attacks on South Knot City that the hospital where Malingan was awaiting her C-section was leveled, and her tragic isolation began. The killing blow to South Knot City was going to be another nuke. Fragile found out about it and she intercepted the package, but Higgs was on to her. He knew that she would be lurking around, and he caught her carrying the nuke away from the city gates. He took her out into the rubble, forced her down to her undergarments, he made time fall rain from the sky, and gave her two choices. Teleport out, save herself, but let the city be destroyed. Or run through Timefall in her undergarments, get the nuke, and throw it into a lake of tar, saving the city, but rapidly aging everything on her body that the Timefall touched. As he disgustingly put it, live out your days as damaged goods, or would you rather take damage for the goods? She chose to save what remained of the city. He put a hood on her to protect her face, and she ran for it. Her body aged under the Timefall, Every step, every drop was damaged done to her skin. But she did it. She saved South Knot City. But no one knew what happened. It didn't save her reputation. It was just a quiet good. Her name was Fragile, but she wasn't fragile. And she wasn't going to stop chasing down Higgs. More than ever, she wanted revenge. The murderous kind. Over the next few years, Amelie's expedition pushed farther west, connecting settlements and cities to the chiral network. Though many agreed to be brought in, just as many declined the offer. There was a lack of trust in the United Cities of America, a lack of trust in bridges. They couldn't be forced onto the network, so when they were turned away, the caravan just continued on, hoping that they would change their minds the next time around. The chiral network itself was slowly coming online. The discovery that data transmission over it was successful was a celebrated one. New faces joined Bridges, there was recovery on the way after the Homo Demon attacks. But President Bridget Strand was soon faced with her own mortality. She was diagnosed with aggressive cancer. A second expedition west was planned, and she wanted her son Sam to lead it. He had been gone for almost a decade, but she knew that he was the one who would unite the country. As her health deteriorated, the decision was made to relocate the President's office to Capital Knot City. Her death was a certainty, but there were resources there that could help prolong her life as long as possible. And she held on for a couple more years. BB research continued, the chiral network slowly stabilized and brought online as Amelie got closer to the west coast. The first expedition made it all the way to Edge Knot City, to the Pacific Ocean. They had done it. Three years of constant travel and work, but they had reached their goal only for the homo demons to jump the caravan, kill everyone still in it, and supposedly take Amelie hostage. But of course, not even Higgs could contain Amelie. The two were working together to bring Sam into compliance, because he was indeed the one who would unite America. As a repatriate and a powerful Dooms user, he was the only one who could make the journey to fill out the chiral network. But the only way that he would cooperate was if Amelie was in danger. He didn't care about Bridget Strand and her requests, but he did still care about his supposed sister, even if he had been missing for a decade. Higher-ups in the government, like Die Hardman, they really believed that Amelie physically existed and that she was captured on the West Coast. Hell, even Sam believed that she had a physical body somewhere. So it was bought, hook, line, and sinker, that Amelie Strand had been captured by a terrorist group on the West Coast and needed to be saved. The second expedition would consist of only Sam himself. 
President Bridget Strand's time was almost up. She was in hospice care and quickly fading. Amelie Strand was believed to be captured and in danger. Hope seemed to be lost for the United Cities of America. That was until a void out took place at Central Knot City. See? 